Welcome home. This is Audio EXP for the 10th of October 2020. And the title of this episode is RPG News and Other Surprises. Oftentimes, we begin this podcast with some stats. And don't worry, we are going to do that again here. The difference is, these aren't my stats. Geeknator's weird stats usually come from Paul's run to support competitions on the site. It's been a busy working week, primarily due to the retightening of restrictions in Scotland and the UK due to that virus. And in terms of competitions, all Geek Native did this week was to wrap two and get in contact with the winners. So, as a result, no fresh stats from me. Thankfully, as Halloween and the festive shopping season approaches, my inbox gets busy with pitch emails from PR, SEO and outreach agencies. They write to Geek Native because they hope they'll get a mention on the site or a link for their efforts on Google. Usually it doesn't work. All too often there's deception involved and people write in pretending to want to write for free to boost their portfolio or otherwise fail to disclose they have a commercial relationship with one of the brands they want to write about. It's a bit of a minefield. These stats come from a company that approached me in the right way. They did so honestly and they found a topic that I thought readers might be interested in. The company is thoughtful and they sell cards and the topic they've picked is scary and not so scary movies. They've gone through the search results for horror on IMDb and rated the matching movies by best or worst scores. Both those top tens, most and least highly rated, are on the blog and I'll give you the top five for each. Here are the worst ranked horror movies in reverse order so we'll finish on the absolute worst. I still know what you did last summer. The Doll Comes Home, Jaws 3D, The Devil Inside, and in absolute last position is Prom Night. There are two slashers in that bottom tier, two supernatural stories, and one thriller. And here's the top five, again in reverse order, so we'll finish on the highest rank horror movie. Any idea of what it's going to be? In fifth place, A Quiet Place. Then The Exorcist, Get Out, The Shining, and finally, in top place, Alien. That's right, Alien is the highest ranked horror movie according to IMDb. There's one thriller in that top five, one comedy horror, that's Get Out, one supernatural and two sci-fis. Good job, sci-fi. Let's stick with Halloween for a bit. I've been busy with Kickstarter coverage since we last spoke. The usual rule of thumb about not doing more than one Kickstarter post a day has been put on pause, so readers don't lose out on all the early bird deals and the like. Of all the Kickstarters, I'm going to call out Nazi Dracula Must Die. Why pick another 5e game? Well, it's a quirky 5e micro setting, and it's an excuse to remind the world that the Nazis are the baddies. In the setting from Crystal Quill Press, the Nazis have brewed up monsters, dabbled in the supernatural and put together a horrific army in which to try and take over the world. Dracula is supporting the Nazi effort, lending his legions and undead troops to the invasion. The allies of the resistance though have some tricks of their own with elite squads of supernaturally talented soldiers and agents to fight back. Check it out. We go from 5e to Wizards of the Coast and then to Hasbro, but we stick with crowdfunding as we get to the biggest story of the week. 
my hunch is that this could change the landscape of tabletop games. Let me try and persuade you. The story is this. In the UK, the online retailer Zavi is letting people pre-order HeroQuest. On the surface, this is a big story because Hasbro wasn't prepared to work outside the United States and Canada for their $1 million crowdfunding campaign for the iconic board game. And now, for £150, people in the UK can get involved. I think it's a more important story though. Simply put, Hasbro's crowdfunding is still going. Yes, the target was met within 24 hours, but stretch goals are still a thing. Speak to any experienced gamer and they'll remind you that backing a crowdfunding campaign is not the same as a pre-order. Now, Savvy here in the UK have presented this as a pre-order. At the start of the year, authorities suspended trading in Simon, the board game company. One of the problems there was Kickstarter pledges and its weird state of being both money the company does and does not have. What it looks like here is that Zavi are collecting the money from people, or perhaps even fronting it themselves as a business cost, maybe they got a discount, and are then contributing to Hasbro Pulse in a mass pledge. I suspect conversations with both lawyers and accountants were involved. I hope it's a glittery and a commercial success for everyone. Now that's the next point I want to make. What if this mass pledge, coordinated by a retailer, is glitch-free and commercially successful for everyone? Wouldn't that make it more likely to happen again? Would Zavi do this for the next Gloomhaven supplement? Would a bookshop reach out to an RPG publisher who doesn't traditionally do shipping outside America, someone like Evil Hat, and offer a similar deal? The possibilities are interesting. Let's stick with tabletop for a while before we get onto topics from the TV screen. Sad Press has made the early access edition of the Shrike RPG available for free. The game is a mix between solo RPG gamebooks and games like The Quiet Year. This means you can play some adventures by yourself and do others with friends. In the 131 page steampunk game, the Shrike is the name of an airship from which you have your adventures and have a crew to manage. A deck of playing cards is used with dice to help determine random events that happen on your travels. The Wild Sea, a tabletop game in development that's already been mentioned on Audio XP, has some news as well. It's a fantasy game which is very far removed from Tolkien. Playable races, for example, include a colony of spiders or sentient fungus. The world is one in which a magical forest runs wild, covering everything and regrowing amazingly quickly. Characters are wild sailors who travel in the treetops on chainsword-powered boats. There's a new playtest demo out for the Wild Sea, which is free to download. The game will now be coming to Kickstarter, and it has a publisher in the shape of Mythopoeia. Did you know that the Monster Manual wasn't the first book of monsters for D&D 3? That honour goes to Creature Collection for Scarred Lands. Scarred Lands is now managed by Onyx Path Publishing, as is the case of many projects that White Wolf had been involved with, and it's gone 5e. You can write and sell your own content for it too. You can do your own monster book if you wanted. The community content program is called the Salercian Vault, but it's limited to the central setting near the city of Gelspad. Well, that's going to change. After the Frostlands of Fenrelic goes to the market, Onyx Path will let community content writers produce and sell 
books stuffed full of encounters, monsters and rules for the frozen north of the Scarred Lands. I also want to highlight Godforsaken from Monty Cook Games. It's a multi-fantasy setting from Monty Cook himself and Sean K. Reynolds that uses the Cypher system. That's a system that sits high on my favourite RPG engines of the minute, as it's quick while finding a nice blend between crunch and narration. You can get a free preview of Godforsaken from Monty Cook Games or you can pre-order the hardback. I'm calling it a multi-fantasy setting because Cook hopes the game will let the cipher system be used in the full gambit of fantasy subgenres, from high fantasy, urban fantasy, whimsical fantasy and even wuxia and low fantasy. Characters explore out from their god-protected domains and out into the godforsaken realms, hence the name, and thus the reason why so many different genres can fit into one setting. It depends on which godforsaken domain you visit. Before we leave the RPG news section, let's talk about doing Tolkien better than most Tolkien-inspired fantasy romps do. Let's talk about Underhill by Water, an RPG by Rise Up Comus. In the game, you play one of the little folk, a hairy-foot, half-man pastiche of the British gentry, and your idea of an adventure is chasing a goat out of the orchard. This, Rise Up Comus argues, is exactly how hobbits should be in the Shire and the world of Tolkien. Halflings don't willingly venture into dungeons in search of gold. And so, in Underhill, by water, you play a gossiping hobbit who just wants to keep their home clean. However, that's not to say that life is uneventful. After you create your character, and the GM makes the village, the final section of the book is about finding out what random events might disrupt that pastoral life. Now, there are some TV shows worth talking about to finish up on, and I think we can segue through the short film called Percival. Percival is only a few minutes long and stars Jason Kingsley as the Arthurian Knight. Kingsley is the co-owner of Rebellion Publishing, and they do games like Sniper Elite and comic books like 2000 AD. That means they own Judge Dredd. They've owned RPG publishers in the past and are back in the tabletop market with Rebellion Unplugged. But Percival isn't just about letting Kingsley LARP in his favourite, carefully made and historically accurate armour. It's a demo of technology that Rebellion Studio has been working on. It's a virtual production. It's more than a green screen. You'll see that straight away, as in the short, Kingsley's face lights up as a light source moves. The behind-the-scenes footage in a second video explains why the technology isn't just about saving money. It's about saving time. With a virtual production, filmmakers control more variables, so they can do filming that seems to be outside and in a forest without worrying about whether day two from the set will be exactly the same light level as a slightly overcast day before. It could be big business. I was reminded of how big business anime has become from an infographic of the most searched for Netflix anime from around the world, which Geek Native posted this week. About half a dozen anime make up the list, with shows like Beastars, Blame and Castlevania getting a look in. However, the chances are pretty high that the most searched for Netflix anime in your country is The Seven Deadly Sins. I suspect the reason for that is due not just to the hype about the next series, but because of the concern about it. Netflix changed studios for this season. Fans grumbled about some of the trailers and the early episodes. But I liked it, and I gave it a matching rating in the Irregular Reconnaissance Anime column. Speaking of which, the latest IR, number 75, is a bit of a rule breaker. As it's the start of a new season at Crunchyroll, 
I used IR75 to share first opinions of five first episodes of the new shows. First up is Jujutsu Kaisen, in which an athletic high schooler swallows a cursed finger so he can use the power of that curse to defeat another. I think it will be this season's hit. We have to see whether it becomes anything more than just an action anime, whether it digs deeper into the all-cult and horror, but for now, it has an IR rating of good. Next is Yashimi Princess Half-Demon. This is the surprise sequel to Inuyasha, an old but still popular anime in which a young woman from our time falls into a fantasy world and goes on adventures with a dog demon. My concern was that I never got to the end of Inuyasha, despite enjoying it. However, Yashimin seems to be written to please people with and without knowledge of the original. I've also given it an IR rating of good. And then there's Over the Moon for You, which was billed as a romantic comedy about two people getting married at the age of 18 as complete strangers. The first episode did have romance, but also quite a lot of blood. I was surprised. I liked it more than I thought I would, but I'm worried how it can last a whole season like that. As a result, I'm giving it an IR rating of good, but with a cautious note. Second from last is I'm Standing on a Million Lives, which is another show about people from our world coming into a computer game-like world. It has a surprise Attack on Titan-esque scene and has elements of ReZero too, but it doesn't appear to be as dark or as brutal as those two. I think it will have to work hard to stand out in an already crowded genre, but I'm optimistic. I've given it an IR rating of average for now. The last anime I looked up in this IR column was Sports Climbing Girls. Okay, in part, that was to see how responsible the animators were when treating young women covered in spandex I wouldn't usually watch a sports anime. I'm presently surprised. Yes, there were some shots of curves, but the focus, as far as I could tell, pretty much on the people and the sport. I'll keep watching, and I awarded it another IR average rating. To finish the podcast, I'm sticking with animation, but skipping over to American comic books in the form of Invincible. Invincible is a violent superhero story from Robert Kirkman. That's the guy who did The Walking Dead. Amazon Prime Video will be running the animated series and the official trailer is out now. There are hints that the show might show some of the brutal fights and injuries, but it doesn't cross the line in the trailer. The full show was due out in 2021. Now, before we go, just a reminder for Geek Native patrons to vote in the RPG Publisher Spotlight. The candidates are Platinum Dragon Games, Target Raw, Animated Dungeon Maps, Ebuthan Game Designs and Wolf Hill Entertainments. And on that note... Let's call it a wrap. Keep safe and stay out of melee range. See you next week.